to speak and uh, going along with the abide uh, theme. And uh, I was, I was kind of processing about this. You know, I, usually what pastors do, I'll give you kind of a behind the look uh, of what pastors usually do in this certain scenario is they go on their catalog of previous preached sermons and they, they pick one. This is what they do. Um, if you're, if, I'm sorry if you're a pastor and I gave away your secret deal. This is what we do. Um, but I felt like the Lord is, uh, he wanted to, to speak something new uh, according with, with this series. It's not new in terms of scripture. It's been here for, for thousands of years. Um, but I, I want to preach off of Psalms 23. So if you got your Bible or if you got the Bible app, you can go over that. Psalms 23 is where we're going to be at. Um, and as you open there, I want to I see if you guys have noticed something over the past couple of years, probably about five, ten years. Have you guys noticed that people have just become passionate about who or what they are following? Like this extreme level of passion. And, and you've met these people uh, because you know them in your conversations, you have a conversation with them, and you think you're going in one moment, and then all of a sudden it takes a hard left turn. Like you've talked to these people, like you're talking to your friend. You're like, man, I was out walking my dog today. I got a little bit of workout. Woo, I'm out of shape. And they're like, it's nothing like CrossFit. CrossFit, I do CrossFit. I love CrossFit. I have a CrossFit gym. I got a CrossFit tire. I like throwing CrossFit things. You should join CrossFit. Have you guys ever met a CrossFit junkie, right? Like within the first two minutes, they tell you what? I'm in CrossFit, right? Oh, it'd be another conversation you're talking with your other friend and you're like, man, I'm, I'm feeling some pizza today. And they're like, oh, pizza's bad. Pizza, oh my goodness. I, I'm a whole 30s keto only gluten-free. I only eat like ground up soybeans. Like this is all I eat, right? And you should do that too because this is the benefits of it. Like people are just absurdly passionate about certain things now. And, and it, it's at a astronomical, I would use that word, time right now where people just express their opinions and what they're passionate about. And this kind of behavior, it's just been skyrocketing and people being vocal at an all-time high for just other things like what political candidate to follow, uh, what social movements to abide by, what voices you should listen to, uh, what ideas and philosophies uh, you ought to ingrain in your life. And soon we're at the end of our day, at least I am, we're at the end of our day and we're left with so many things demanding our attention, demanding us to follow them with the promises to us of, hey, I'll give you a better life. I'll give you a better marriage. You can have better kids, have a better education, and just be better in general. And to be honest, we, we give into these voices, don't we? We give into these voices, these different voices, and we do follow them for better or for what we find out for worse. And so my, my goal today for you, my goal today is to really interrupt your life. Is that okay? My, my goal, my, my goal for, for you is I want to interrupt you and in whatever you are abiding by, whatever you're choosing to follow, or the word that we're going to use to, to interrupt whoever you are allowing to shepherd your life. And then I want to propose to you who I consider to be a better voice, a better person to follow, and a better shepherd. I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. And so I, I like to kind of give like a one point. Like if you can remember this one thing, like this, this is what I want you to remember. And it's this, is that you and I are created to follow. Amen. You and I, we are created to follow. And so with that thought in mind, we have to know who we abide by greatly determines the course of our life. You and I are created to follow. 
Who we abide by or what we abide by greatly determines our life. And so I want to share with a piece of scripture that was written by a guy named David. A lot of us have heard of this. And he experienced this dilemma that we experience now. So many voices telling them to follow me, abide by this, do that. And he's kind of in this, this predicament, if you will. And he writes this amazing poem that uses the idea of a sheep following a shepherd. And he calls him a good shepherd. And this good shepherd has certain qualities that can really truly benefit the course of our life. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read through a few of these verses in Psalms 23, and I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna share an observation, and I'm gonna kind of share just what the Lord has laid on my heart, uh, hopefully specifically for uh, Destiny Church. And then with each of these like, kind of little points, I've got a question I want you to ponder. Cool, you guys game? All right, I wanna pray before we get going. So Father, over the next few moments, we're gonna be looking at Psalms 23, and Jesus, I, I pray that you would make scripture come alive to our hearts. The scripture is living and breathing and it's full of power. So Lord, would you make this tangible to us today? In your mighty name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. For you note takers, today's title is called A Sheep and a Shepherd. Psalms 23, we know this. This is perhaps one of the most quoted psalms other than John 3.16 today. Soldiers quote this passage moments before they go in battle. People who are about to pass away into eternity quote this to find comfort. People who are down and out, downtrodden, the poor and the destitute, they quote this to find comfort in the midst of unexplainable times. And so I just want to start off by reading verses one through three. I'm, specifically, I'm quoting now the New King James Version because this is how most of us know this. Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. And we'll say, shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Put your finger right there if you want to write this down. The great shepherd, he's a personal shepherd. The great shepherd is very personal. David, before he was king, David was known as a shepherd boy, which if you don't know what a shepherd is, a shepherd is the one that goes out and takes care of the flock. And this specific job was considered too lowly for a lot of the boys in the house. And so if you were the youngest, this was your job. If you were the youngest, you had to go out and take care of the sheep. And so David, he would spend literally days and nights with the sheep, looking over them and taking care of them. And as you would suspect, David, he would get to know the sheep and the sheep would actually get to know him and to the point where the, the sheep actually know David's voice. They would know who he is and even perhaps just at a whistle, the sheep would actually come to him. And because David spent so much time with the sheep, he could easily just look over the flock of sheep. He can know which sheep is missing, which sheep is sick. He can look at a sheep's face and just say, you're in need of this. Are you sick? Are you doing well? You ate something bad? You're not looking too good? He can tell how each sheep has a personality and how it behaves. In fact, the only reason I know this is because my father-in-law, he's a rancher out of Crawford, Nebraska, and I am what you call a wannabe farmer. Um, I like the idea, like my wife and I, we wanna have a hobby farm because we like cute goats and miniature ponies. You know, but that's about as far as we want to get to. But my, my father, he, he's, he's a real cowboy, right? He's a real rancher. He's got, he's got a big cattle herd. And so uh, one time I went out there and uh, he says, you know, you got to go out and break some ice. I'm like, sure, I can do that. I'm going to break some ice. And I go out there and he's like, make sure you take my truck. 
And I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I get in this little rickety little truck and I'm bouncing over the fields. And all of a sudden I see all of this cattle literally running right at my truck. And I'm wondering what in the world's happening? And it dawned on me, he's like, I bet you they think I'm Greg. I bet you they think like I'm the father-in-law. And so, and they know what I'm doing. They're running after the truck because we got some cake in the back, the little kind of little pelts we feed them and, and they want some water. And so they all get there and I'm like, oh man, I feel pretty good about myself right now. Like I'm doing the rancher's job. And as soon as I opened the door, the cattle just stopped and just stared at me. I have never been so afraid, death by cattle, until this point in my life. I kid you not, they, they, they looked at me, they stopped, they started snorting and started raking their hooves in the ground. And, and I even have a video of it, I, I, I couldn't find it to share, but I even have a video of saying, I, I threatened the cows. I, if you wanna feel really manly, threaten a cow. And so I threatened the cow and I said, if you push me in this water, I will eat you right now. <laughs> I promise, it was a promise I was gonna keep. But it was only because they, they, they knew their shepherd. They, they knew their, their cattle. They knew their caretaker. To this point, my father-in-law, Greg, he can go out and he says, go out and get this type of cow. He looks like this and, and she looks like that. And, and this is what the snout looks like. And, and like he knows them through and through. And he can literally go out and give his own little hoot and holler. And just from a mile away, they'll come trotting down. And it's because Greg knows his cattle and his cattle know him. The shepherd is no different. It is the shepherd's job to be able to look at the sheep and, and know how the sheep is doing and what the sheep needs, and, which really sounds kind of like, like an easy job. It's kind of like my wife and I. Like we just want some cute goats in a hobby farm because it looks like an easy job. But how many of you guys, have you guys ever worked with sheep before? We would be dead wrong to think taking care of sheep would be very, very easy. Sheep are not the most fun animal to take care of. The video that we just watched show the sheep are cute, they are clean, they are perfect, but if you've ever been around any type of sheep or ram, that is far from the truth. And I think there's a reason why God compares us to sheep. Like sheep, we're stubborn, right? We get stubborn. We have an idea of how to take care of ourselves, but usually we just end up in a bigger mess. Like sheep, we are very messy. It seems like we have a white wool that's perfect and clean, but if you take a closer peek, you'll start beginning to find some gross bugs and some other gross things. Like sheep, we can be naive and ignorant. We see a live electric fence and we see our other uh, fellow sheep touch it and get shocked, but we think, hey, hey, it might be a different outcome for me, so let me go up there and just touch it as well, right? We're a lot more like sheep than, than we realize, and it's for these reasons, sheep just not, they don't just need a shepherd, but they need a personal shepherd, a shepherd that knows the flock through and through to the point where, where it's time to take them to the green grass like we just read to eat. Because here's the thing, sheep, they'll eat whatever is right in front of them, even if it's bad for them. They need a shepherd to take them to the green grass. They need a personal shepherd to, to take the sheep to, to, to a place where to drink water and where clean still water can be found. Did you know sheep won't drink out of running water? They won't. If you go to Israel, I've been to Israel once and hopefully we go again, but they'll talk about the shepherding and that the sheep have to find a still place of water. They won't drink out of water. If you put them out a river and you got rapids over here and there's still water right here, they will wait in line to drink out of this water right here. They need a personal shepherd that knows that. They need a personal shepherd to know where a good place to rest that is free from flies and gnats, or at the very least where the shepherd carries a thick oil and a ram's horn where he can pour it on the sheep's head and wipe it all over their wool and all over their horns so they can sleep. 
pests free because sheep, they won't rest at all if they're bothered by annoying insects. And if a sheep does not eat healthy and does not drink clean water and have restful sleep, that is a recipe for a very sick, uncomfortable herd. The shepherd has to be personal. And it's for these very same reasons why you and I, we are in need of a shepherd. Psalms 23 tells us four things that the great shepherd, he does for those who follow Jesus, that he makes us lie down in green pasture. As I was kind of looking over this, and I kind of know the season where your church is at right now, it's easy to think like, Lord, what's going on? I kind of, I feel in a really rough place right now, and it's not the most fun. It's not, I believe the Lord is making you lie down in a green pasture right now. It's called perspective, isn't it? I believe the Lord is, how many of you guys are happy that Jesus makes us do some things that we don't want to do? He makes us lie down in green pasture because Jesus knows we need nourishment. He leads us beside still waters because a lot of times we drink things and we consume things that are not good for us. And the Lord says, I've got something better for you. He restores our soul. God is the great restorer. And he leads us in paths of righteousness because those are the good things of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times to get to the good things of Jesus Christ, he's got to make you do a few things. And those few things, we don't like doing that, which is wait, be patient, take a nap, rest, unhurry, and just be with the shepherd. Just be with the shepherd. These four things speak to exactly what the great shepherd does for us. And the great shepherd, he comforts and cares and provides rest. In the midst of all this, it says there, the promise right there, it says that you will want nothing. Now, it's easy to read that because I've got four kids. And let me tell you, how many of you guys know kids are great at wanting things? Like, again, we went to Fleet Farm. They have a thing called Toyland. Talk about Want. Want this, want that, want this, want that. So when you read that, don't think about want. Like, Lord, of course I want a new truck. Like, God, I want a hobby farm. Like, God, I want a better job. I want that promotion. Oh, Lord, why aren't you shepherding me? The better term for that is you won't lack. You won't lack. In America here, we have more than we could ever dream for. The gentleman up here talking about India, my, my family is from India and Mongolia. And let me tell you, they are so, they, they feel so blessed, but I look at them, I'm like, man, you, you don't have a lot. And I went to Nicaragua and people were giving us food and clothes and, and I'm like, I'm an American, I've got a whole, I, got, I brought three suitcases of clothes with me, I don't need clothes. But they, they, don't, they don't see it, they don't lack. And, I, and it convicts me, Lord, man, I, thank you for allowing me not to lack. Thank you for being a good shepherd for me. So here's my first question for you is, the shepherd that you are following, it may not be the good shepherd like Jesus. We're all following something. Remember, we're all created to follow. The shepherd that you are following, are they able to be this personal to you? Let's keep reading. I'm gonna read on verses four to five. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Point number two, you can write this down, is the great shepherd, he is protective. He is protective. The shepherds were known for carrying two tools, a rod and a staff. 
The rod was more like a thick club. They kind of drape it over their belt. And this rod was to fend off the wolves and the bears and the thieves and the robbers. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was a weapon, essentially. But the shepherd also carried a staff. It was kind of a shepherd's crook. It, it kind of curved over. And, and we've seen this in the plays, right, as uh, Mary and, and all of them come out for the Christmas play. And you see the shepherds, and they have the shepherd's crook. And that thing was meant to kind of maybe tap on the, the, the butts of the sheep, saying, no, I need to go over here a little bit. No, I need to go over here. And if you're a really, really bullheaded sheep like I am, he takes that crook and yanks it back. And it says, no, you got to go over here. These are the things that the shepherd carries. And so David, David, he carried these two tools every time he was with the sheep and he needed the rod to fight off any lions and bears that wanted to eat the sheep or to fight off any thieves. And then he'd use the crook to guide the sheep back in the fold to sleep at night. And these two tools allowed the sheep to be protected. But here's what I want us to notice with this. Did you notice these two things? Verses four and five that there are circumstances that David points to. Circumstances that I think we would say unpleasant. First circumstance, number one, walking in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm a hunter. I like going out in the mountains. Nebraska has no mountains, so I guess you could say I like going out in the cornfield, right? That's what we do. But I can tell you, if on the map says this is the valley of the shadow of death, I would not go through there. I, don't, I, I would not touch that with a 10-foot pole. David also says, he says, you're gonna be in the presence of my enemies. You're gonna be in the presence of your enemies. I can also tell you this, if I was going to dinner and on the letter says, you will be in the presence of your most sworn enemies, I would probably reject that invitation. That does not sound like a good time to me. And if we had the choice, we would rather have, maybe God sweep us out of those moments. Because really, this is, we find ourselves in these two situations. But that's really kind of how we pray, isn't it? Just, Lord, I'm in the presence of my enemies. Like, like sweep me out of here. Like, Lord, I'm, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Like, like get me out of this place. Like, miraculously, like, like, like beam me up, Scotty. Like, I'm tired of this deal. I don't want to be here anymore. I heard it from this one guy. He said it this way. He says, you know, you don't need a shepherd to get us out of hard times. But we need a good shepherd to be with us in the midst of hard times. And to be honest, that's how we read most of the times of how God working in scripture. You see, God was with Joseph in Pharaoh's prison, shepherding him. God could have snapped his fingers and took Joseph right out of there. But he didn't. He was with Joseph in the hard times. God was with the three young men in the fiery furnace. Just by mere speaking, God could have just, whoop, you're out of there. Safe and sound. But said the king looked in the fiery furnace and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I see someone else in there. Who, who is that? And we know it was, it was God. He was with them, shepherding in that hard moment. God was with Daniel in the lions and shepherding Daniel. At the very least, God could have thrown down the ladder and said, climb on up, get out of there. But we either said, no, angels were, were with them. They shut the mouths of the lion. They didn't rescue him out of there, but he was with them in the midst of hard times. And all these three stories, God did not sweep them out of the dark valley or, or out of the presence of their enemies, but rather he stood with them in the midst of this. 
And this is what David is saying in the verses three and four. Even though he finds himself walking in the valley of the shadow of the death, he doesn't need to fear because God is still with them, carrying the shepherd's tool of protection, but also carrying the tool that brings guidance. And it's in that knowledge David finds comfort. How many guys are happy and glad that we have a good shepherd that is with us in the midst of hard times? That's the good things about God. However, David even goes further. I was reading this last night, preparing, and I just, this thing stood out at me. I'm like, we got to hear this this morning. David goes even further. Not only can he find comfort, but verse five paints a picture of a feast, a table with abundant food and drink, saying to us that because of the Lord's protection, not only can we survive in the midst of hard times, but we have the ability to thrive in the presence of our enemies. It's one thing, Christians, to survive. But did you know because of the good shepherd that we have that we are able to thrive? I mean, our, our prayers kind of reflect the, the first one. We, we don't think about when we walk through our own valley of death or when we're in the presence of our enemies, like, oh, I'm gonna thrive in the midst of this. We think, Lord, get me out of this place. Get me out of this place. And, and when that prayer's not answered, our prayers take a turn. And it's more like, Lord, just at least let me help, help me survive this. In fact, that's a lot of our prayers during COVID-19 when everything shut down and the pandemic. That was my prayer as a pastor. I'm like, Lord, just help me. Help me to survive in this. And God spoke clearly. He's like, you're not praying to a God of survival. You're praying to a God that allows you to thrive. Did you know you can thrive with the good shepherd? And this is what, this is what scripture is telling us. But let us be clear. Let us be very clear on this. The only reason we can thrive and the only reason we can dine freely, enjoy the good things of God is because the good shepherd does a darn good job at protecting his sheep. So here's my second question for you to consider. Does the shepherd you follow this morning, can they protect you like the good shepherd? Like, can they protect you like the good shepherd? Let's read the last verse, Psalms 12, 6. It says, surely goodness. Everyone say Goodness. And mercy, say mercy, mercy, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's my last point for today. The great shepherd, he is a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper. What's the promise? That those who know the good shepherd's voice and are found in the fold get to experience two things. First one, for all of your days here in this life, in this world, goodness and mercy, the goodness and mercy of Jesus Christ will follow you through. I don't know about you, but I am in daily need of Jesus's goodness and mercy. I'm in daily need of that. Here's the thing. I've got four kids, all under the age of six, seven. My, my boy turned seven, I forgot about that. See, again, mercy and goodness. Lord, I need it. And there are many times where I'm not the parent I should be. There are many times where I lose my cool. In fact, I kind of know the biggest point where I do lose my cool, it's through the drive-through McDonald's. Any parents with me? The drive-through is the most anxiety-filled experience as a father, and I hate it to the core. If there's a close experience to hell, that would be it. But I, I, I need mercy and goodness. I have a job. That can be stressful in seasons. And there are times where I don't pastor in the way I ought to. I need goodness 
and mercy. I'm a husband, been a husband of, uh, for 12 years now, and there are times where I'm not the husband I should be or the husband that God has called me to be for my wife. I need the Lord's goodness and mercy because just like you, I have fallen short and I have sinned. And I find myself in times like Paul describes in Romans 7 where Paul says, you know, I do the things I don't want to do and I, I don't do the things I ought to do. Like I, I know what is right, but I find myself doing what is wrong, but I, I know what's wrong, but I can't do what's right. Everyone been in that situation. Like why do I keep messing up time and time and time again? And if you're here and you're hearing this, like, oh, dude, I'm connecting with you right now, Pastor. Don't freak out. Because that is typical behavior of sheep. That's typical behavior of sheep. But thank God we have a good shepherd that leads us. But when we go astray, he's got goodness and mercy behind us to lead us back on the right path again and again and again and again. Here's what I love about Jesus Christ is that he's not a God of second chances. He's not a God of third chances. He's a God of 10th, 11th, and 12th, 100th chances. And Lord knows I need all of them. And so does each and every one of you. Goodness and mercy will follow throughout your days. That's the first promise. Here's the second promise. Is that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever meaning that you're gonna dwell in eternity, dwell in heaven, all the good things of the Lord. We just got done with the supernatural series at, at my church and I tried as best as I can with my limited terminology and what scripture gives us, what heaven's gonna be like. And I told them like, man, if your expectations of heaven's here, like times it by a billion. Heaven is amazing. And it's for those who know Jesus Christ. And so it's gotta be understood that this promise, the promise that you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, this promise is only, hear that word, is only for those who know the shepherd's voice. Not a lot of amens on that one. Thank you. That's, that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Because we, we know very good people. I know very good, well-meaning people I know people that I would probably consider them saints, but I know people who fill all those boxes, but they don't know the shepherd's voice. And that is heartbreaking. This promise is only for those who knows the shepherd's voice. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we know the shepherd's voice? John 10, I'm not gonna read the whole story. But in John 10, Jesus is talking to a group of people and he's revealing to, to everyone that he's indeed the good shepherd. But he also makes it a point to reveal to everyone that not everyone who claims to be a shepherd in this world is actually a good shepherd for you. And so people were kind of, they were kind of just uh, confused and just trying to, trying to figure out, Jesus, like, what exactly are you saying? And in fact, in John 10, he even says like, Lord, like, are, are you just, just, just speak plainly to us. Like, what are you trying, what are you trying to say? Like, you're calling us sheep and, and you're the, 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 the shepherd, but there's other shepherds that maybe we follow that aren't the best shepherds, but you're the good shepherd. And, and uh, what are you trying to say? And John, uh, Jesus clears it up in John 10, 27. Let me read it for you. He says this, this is Jesus talking. He says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me. He is more powerful than anyone else. Thank you, Jesus. No one can snatch them from the father's hand because the father and I are one. 
here's the thing. There's a lot of shepherds in this world begging you to follow them. There are a lot of shepherds in this world begging you to follow them from leaders in the political arena promising you things and and benefits if you follow them, social media promising you connection and relationship if you follow them and spend enough time on it. I mean, here's a fun fact. I have this dumb thing on my phone that tells me every week on Sunday morning how much time I've spent on social media. Anyone here have that little thing pop up on their phone? I hate that with a passion because I realize, holy cow, I'm following a lot more things on my phone than perhaps I should be following God. Other shepherds like addictive and toxic behaviors promising you satisfaction and fulfillment if you engage in them. As soon as you leave this building, you will have shepherds knocking at your door of your soul, begging you to follow them, to engage in them, to take their ideas and philosophies and allow them to ingrain that on your heart. And I'm sure there are many more, but here's the catch. Each and every single one of these shepherds in this world asking you to follow them, they will all fail in keeping their promises to you. Every single one of them, they will all fail. Why? Because leaders eventually die. Social media goes in and out with trends and fads. And addictive and toxic behaviors always come to a sudden end. So here's my question for you, my last question, is does the shepherd you follow Do they keep their promises? Does the shepherds you follow, do they actually keep their promises? And what promise is that? Better life, better kids, better marriage, better this and that. I want to encourage encourage you to rethink the shepherds that you're allowing to, to lead your life. So let me wrap up with this. I have followed my fair share of different shepherds. I have. If you go to my church, a lot of them know my story. I shouldn't be standing here preaching. I have stolen, I have cheated, I have lied, I have given in, I have thrown in the flag, I have done stuff. I have followed my fair share of shepherds. Some that were toxic and addictive, some not so much. But I have found out that no matter who I follow, if it is not Jesus shepherding my life, I find myself like a lost sheep. I do. Have you guys ever seen a sheep that's lost? They will go out and they will find themselves in a much bigger mess. They'll see a deep, dark canyon and think, maybe there's something in there that I can find. And so they get themselves in that mess. They'll see a thorn patch and they'll see that and they say, well, maybe there's something in there that that can help me out. And so they'll find themselves tangled up in a thorn patch and they will bleed and they will baw until their heads fall off until they die or until the wolf come gets them. And I have found out in my life that if it's Jesus not shepherding me, I'm a lost sheep and I will aimlessly wander this world trying to fill voids, getting myself into trouble, falling into snares and traps, and eventually be in a place that is so far from the good things that God wants for me. And I have followed Jesus long enough to know that if he's my shepherd, nothing but the good things of God is in store for me.
So remember, you and I, we're created to follow. We're followers. That's who we are. We're worshipers. And if we're not worshiping Jesus, we'll worship something or something else, somewhat or something else. So you and I, we're created to follow. Who we abide by greatly determines the course of our life. So who's shepherding you? Are they a good shepherd? Meaning, can they adequately take care of you? Can they lead you into into serenity in the midst of danger? Can they provide protection at the level where you can actually thrive in the middle of it? And can they bring eternity to your souls? You need to know that there is a good shepherd. His name is Jesus. I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know what walk of life you come from. But when I found Jesus, I found out that he died on a cross and he was buried in a grave and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. But he didn't stay dead. He rose three days later. And it was one of the most amazing things that humanity can ever experience. And it's because of that death, burial, and resurrection that I can find forgiveness in the midst of my stupidity. I can find grace in the midst of my wrongdoings. And I can find mercy in the midst when I come up short. That's the shepherd that I follow. What shepherd do you follow? Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are the good shepherd as David saw it. And Lord, thank you that you had someone like David write this psalm because we know David's history. Man, he was as messed up as some of the best of us. But yet he was able to follow after you and come back to your heart and write this beautiful psalm. A psalm that tells us that if we follow you, there are good things that awaits for us. And so God, I thank you that you made a way when there was no way. That you made it possible out of all these impossibilities and that we can be in a place like this and have a personal relationship with God the Father. And Lord, I pray for those who are here and maybe they're realizing that they've been allowing this certain shepherd in their life and they're realizing it has brought nothing good to them. It has brought nothing well to their lives and that they need to change shepherds. Lord, I pray that you would lead them in that direction. Holy Spirit, do what you do best and work on their hearts, work on their souls. And so if you are here this morning, we're all praying right now and I'm sure there's many ways to do this, but this is the only thing I'm gonna ask you to do is if this morning you're realizing, man, I don't, I don't have that good shepherd in my life, let me tell you, it is not too late. You still have opportunity right now in fact, I would say this is a divine setup by God himself that you are here listening to this message. And if you're needing to change that shepherd for the good shepherd, scripture says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can know that you can be saved. And all you have to do is just say something along the lines of this, is to say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me of my sins? Starting today, I'm following after you. I'm not shepherding myself. I'm not allowing this other person to shepherd me or this other toxic behavior to do the shepherding. But Jesus, I want you as the good shepherd in my life to lead me and to guide me so that when I find myself in the valley of the shadow of death or in the presence of my enemies, that God, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You bring nourishment to my souls. 
your mercy and your goodness. Follow me wherever I go. Jesus, I thank you for this message. I pray that we'd hide it and that you'd consecrate this time as a holy moment. In your mighty name, amen.